the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Diving stop, Seager. Toss on a hop to first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Leonis Martin with a walk-off. Two-run home run. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Well, day one is in the books. Welcome to day two of the baseball season. The grind begins now. 161 left in this season as the Mariners fall in game one of the season. They go down to the Houston Astros in Houston in game one. Oh, I love opening day. It's my favorite day of the year. You could have watched baseball yesterday from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. straight through. At least one game on at all times. Unfortunately, from the Mariners' perspective, it didn't quite go to script in game one as the Astros get the victory. Felix Hernandez on the hill. All eyes were on Felix. Very first batter for the Houston Astros made Felix pay for a mistake. The 2-1 pitch, swinging a high fly ball deep to left field. Dyson back, looking up. Goodbye, baseball. George Springer, a leadoff home run here in the bottom of the first inning. And the Astros have taken a 1-0 lead. So Springer takes him deep. Correa takes him deep as well. Two solo blasts. But overall, Felix pitched well. Five innings, five hits. Didn't walk anyone and fans six along the way. A good outing for Felix. 65 pitches, and this is why. Swing and a ground ball, a little wide of first, taken by Valencia. The underhand toss to Felix at the bag, and it's in time. He gets there ahead of Rennick for the 3-1 put out, and there's two outs for the Astros here at the bottom of the fourth. Was Felix clipped? Felix was clipped. When he stepped on the bag, I think. Cano's calling for the trainer to come out. We know that ankle's been a problem historically for Felix. Winced a little bit as soon as he ran over the bag. And Robbie calling for Scott Service and Rick Griffin, Mariners trainer, to come out and have a talk. Yeah, it looked like the ankle on the play. Instead, it was a groin. So he ended up pitching, uh, finishing that inning, pitching another. So he goes five on just 65 pitches and giving up two runs. But pitched well, no walks, six strikeouts. Here's what Felix said after the game and about uh, his next start. Well, I wasn't bad. Just, just a little tight. It's not gonna be bad. I think I'm gonna be. I'll be okay. Did, did you hurt it when you were coming first? Yeah, when I uh, break a little bit late and, uh, and I feel it when I, when I talk the back. You go back out there. Did you want to pitch a couple more, or did you know that it was time? Well, uh, Rick, Rick talked to his cop and he said, no, no, I don't. I think I don't think he's pitching the right way. So it's too early for that. You're pretty sure you can make the next start? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure. yeah. I'll be. I'll be there. Hey, two pitches, one to Springer. one mistake. One mistake. It was a Springer. The other one was a good pitch. I got a tip to half. Correa put a good swing on it. And it was a good pitch. Do you think he could keep that fair? No, I was like, get out. Nah. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Pretty good swing. Hey, outside of those two pitches, how did you feel you executed the game plan and the way you wanted to attack these guys? It was pretty good. I mean, talk to see We did. We having a great plan. And I was, I was throwing a lot of strikes. That's the key. I mean, I was, I was getting a good, good counts and making good pitches. Well, I feel really good about the outing. Were you trying to elevate to, to Springer? Was that the idea? No, I was trying to go down that way. Yeah, the ball came back to the middle of the play. 
And he made Felix pay a couple of mistakes, but there was no margin for error, as it turned out, as Dallas Keuchel was just tremendous, pitched really well, and fielded even better. Here comes the pitch to Martini. Shows bunt, pushes it third base side. Keiko with a bare hand, throws off his heels to first base. It's in time, and this is ridiculous from Keiko. He barehanded that ball along the third base line, had to wheel around to a 360, fired a strike. Yeah, a ridiculous play. He was he good all the way around. Seven innings, just two hits, no runs. The Mariners held to three singles in the opener, and the Astros take the game 3 nothing. We did see a glimpse of something we have talked about and uh, something that I think we'll see a lot this season, outfield defense. The pitch swung on, fly ball left field, into the corner, on the run, Dyson reaches out, and he makes the catch. Gerard Dyson just flat out outran the baseball deep into the corner down the left field line. And there is the speed of Gerard Dyson. Well, two outs for the Astros. Yeah, really nice play and something I think we'll see a lot of this season. Here's what the skipper had to say about the game yesterday. You know, he is um, growing tightened up, kind of grabbed him a little bit. But, uh, you know, when he's trying to cover first, that's when it was bothering him. And, you know, right now I think he's going to be fine to make his next start. We just thought, you know, where we were at there and, it was probably, you know, time to get him out. He was throwing the ball great. Really had good stuff tonight. You know, he made a couple mistakes uh, that hurt him. Uh, but, you know, he was on like 65, 66 pitches after five innings, you know. Uh, wasn't walking anybody. He was, he was sharp except for the, the couple mistakes. Hey, Keiko was really good, too. Keiko was outstanding, yeah. And then he, uh, you know, it was kind of the, the Dallas Keiko show with the defensive plays on the bunts, the comebacker. Um, you know, we put some pressure on him. But, he, you know, he, he made some great plays. The two bunts were phenomenal. He had the bases loaded there with the one shot. You won a big opportunity against Keiko, it seemed like. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, you know, Leon's ground out there. You know, we thought we had maybe shot with uh, Gregerson there in the eighth. Robbie the ball really good. You know, um, just not our night. You know, we'll be fine. Uh, we keep throwing the ball like that. I thought Pezos was really sharp out of the bullpen, as was Casey Fien, uh, which great to see. You know, um, not seeing those guys out there with Mariner uniforms before. It's going to be a nice force all year. You okay with the patience against Keigel? <laughs> you know, Dallas Keigel's a strike thrower. He's not going to walk a lot of guys. We did chase some balls outside of the zone tonight. It's opening day. You know, guys are fired up. They want to make a difference, make a big impact, and you know, got out, away from our game plan a little bit in that regard. But uh, you know, got to give him credit. He threw a good ball game. You're usually not a fan of the bunt. We saw two, and they were perfect plays. Oh, I'm a big fan of the base hit bunt. Okay. (laughs) I don't have any problem with that. I'm not a big fan of the sacrifice bunt at times, and that was not the case tonight. You know, the situation guys put you know put the ball down right where they wanted, and you got to give Kyle credit. He made nice plays. He left Felix in for another inning, so you feel like he was going okay. Yeah, I think Felix will be will be fine for the next start. Um, You know, we just start tighten him up, tighten up on him a little bit. Um, You know, I think he's going to be fine. Other than the injury, did he do the things you wanted to see? Yeah, I thought he threw the ball really well. Uh, I really do. Um, He elevated some pitches. Uh, You know, he he had strikeouts going, um, and it wasn't. It was pretty efficient. Uh, Got a double play ball when needed it. I thought he threw the ball very well. Springer jumped on that first one. Yeah, he made a mistake. Obviously, the two home runs were um, not quite where he wanted them. Balls are up a little bit. Uh, You know, they got a good team. You know, we know that we got a good team too. And we'll show up tomorrow and be ready to go. Got a lot of games ahead of us. So there it is, the skipper talking about uh, the loss last night. And, yeah, back to work today, 5-10 first pitch.
Hisashi Iwakuma will take the ball for the first time this year. He'll take on Lance McCullers Jr. in Game 2 of the series, 5-10, Game 2 of the four-game series. So I promised yesterday in the podcast that we'd hear from Robert Ford, get his thoughts on the Houston Astros coming into this season, the play-by-play voice of the Astros, a popular pick. I mean, when you look at preseason predictions all around, popular pick to not only win the AL West, but also make a run at the World Series. So what about the view from the inside? Here's Robert Ford, play-by-play voice of the Astros. Well, now we get a chance to visit with the voice of the Houston Astros, Robert Ford, on the line with us now. And, Robert, you you look around at predictions uh, nationally, and the Houston Astros, really high expectations all the way around. What about uh, inside the Astros camp? What are the expectations? What are the vibe right now? What's the vibe going into the season for Houston? Well, I think the expectations are for this team to to – win the division and, and go deep in the playoffs, if not make it all the way to the World Series. Uh, I think the expectations are very high. Uh, you're talking about a team that made the playoffs two years ago, just missed out on the playoffs last year, and a uh, team that's gotten better, certainly has a much deeper lineup than they did a year ago. And so I think there's certainly a lot of reason for optimism uh, internally, and there has been so far. Well, you look at that young core with uh, led by Altuve, of course, but Correa, Bregman, Springer. I mean, how good can this offense be for Houston? Well, I think this offense can be very good. I think it's it's dynamic in a lot of ways. I mean, you have guys who can hit for power. You have guys who have some speed. And one of the issues with the Astros' offense much of the last few seasons has been a lot of strikeouts. But I think adding a guy like Nori Aoki, who doesn't strike out a whole lot, Brian McCann's never struck out. A hundred times in his career, and Josh Reddick uh, keeps the strikeouts to a minimum as well. I think that also helps this lineup out a lot to have guys like that. Something that weren't wasn't really in abundance in the Astros lineup the last few years. There are guys in baseball that are just a pleasure to watch day in and day out, and Jose Altuve strikes me as that kind of player that you just love to watch on a daily basis. What is it like? to watch him every single day. Yeah, I mean, it's special. And what's cool for me is, you know, I got here in 2013, and uh, that was his second full season in the big leagues. And, you know, after watching him that year, you'd think, okay, this is a guy who, you know, he'll hit around 300, uh, but, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of power uh, and will steal some bases. But now he's turned into a really complete offensive player. He can hit for power. He hits for a higher average. His walk rate went up last year. And then you throw in the fact that he's won a gold glove at second base. He does a good job over there defensively as well. So, I mean, he's a total package. And it's been fun to watch him on a daily basis and just see how he's gotten better each year. And the thing is, he's always looking to get better. And I'm sure he's going to try and be even better than he was last year when he wound up finishing third in the MVP voting. You know, it's interesting to that young core. Astros have added Reddick, Beltran, McCann, some veterans along the way. How much do you think that will help? the Houston Astros this year? Well, I think one thing the team was lacking uh, was leadership with the position player group. You know, the position player group is fairly young. They had some leadership in the rotation, some leadership with some guys in the bullpen. Didn't really have that in the in the everyday lineup, however. And I think that changes bringing in Brian McCann, bringing in Carlos Beltran, and even Josh Reddick, who's still relatively young. But I think adding him uh, will help with the leadership as well. So I think that'll definitely make a difference. And the thing is, not only can those guys be leaders, but they can produce as well. And that's important also. You mentioned the rotation, too. I guess those are some of the questions leading into the season for Houston. 
Who do you think are going to be the keys for the Astros rotation to stabilize? Well, I think the biggest keys are going to be you want to see Dallas Keuchel return to the prominence that he that saw him win a Cy Young a couple of years ago and saw him have you know a few solid seasons after struggling to start the year last year. Uh, I think you want to see Lance McCullers and Charlie Morton stay healthy. Those are two guys who have had issues staying healthy in the past. And I think if those things happen, then this rotation should be pretty good. Where's McHugh heading into the regular season? Well, he's going to start the year on the disabled list. He had a bit of a dead arm early in camp, was set back. Uh, right now, it's really about him getting stretched out. He appeared in his first Grapefruit League game only a few days ago. Uh, so he just needs to build up innings and, and, and build up his pitch count. And once he does that, I'd imagine he'll rejoin the Astros barring any setbacks, uh, hopefully by the latter part of April. And looking at the bullpen with Giles and Harris as well, that looks to be another strength for the Astros coming into the season. Yeah, and I mean, it was good last year. I mean, yeah. Giles started off slowly last year, but then, you you know, he got better as the year went on, wound up uh, third in the American League among strikeouts, among relievers. Uh, Lou Gregerson's been very good the last years. He was closing for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic uh, in March, and I think, uh, you know, Will Harris, all-star last year. He's had two really good years. Michael Feliz uh, certainly had about a three- or four-month stretch in which he was about as dominant as any reliever in baseball. Uh, and I think, you know, depending on what the Astros do with that last spot, you know, James Hoyt, Yandel Gustave, they both have a chance to really help this bullpen with some high-end stuff as well. I guess one of the biggest differences for Houston is, is not uh, with – position players with pitchers it's the field center field this year is going to have a, a different look in houston what are your thoughts on center field and the difference now without the hill well i think it'll be neat particularly for the fans because uh there are going to be a lot more restaurants out there a lot more uh, amenities uh you know bar areas uh suite areas and club areas and that that's always a good thing uh and i also think that um it's going to play a little fair to center field. I mean, it was 436 before. A lot of guys lost home runs as a result. I think it led to more triples also because if you hit the ball to the sides of those hill of that hill, there was a lot of space. That's been cut out. It's going to be 409 a straightaway center field. That's going to be more consistent with what you see around baseball. Uh, and so I think it'll play a lot fair. I think it'll help the, uh, the hitters more than it will help anybody else because it didn't really come into play very often for the outfielders. How does this division shape up in your mind? Well, I mean, if you look at the Astros, the Mariners, and the Rangers, I mean, any of those three teams could win the division. Uh, I mean, obviously the Rangers have won it uh, the last couple of years, so you'd have to say they're the prohibitive favorite. But uh, I could see any of these three teams winning the division. And then you throw in the Angels. I don't think you could forget about them. If they're able to keep their pitching healthy, uh, that could really help them, although they don't really have as much depth as the other three teams do. Uh, really, the A's are the only team that you can look at and say, well, this is a team that's really going to struggle all year. But, uh, I mean, it could be any of three teams winning the division, and that's exciting. So I think that's the other thing when thinking about expectations with the Astros. They're a good team, but there are some other good teams in this division as well. So even though the Astros have a chance to be really good, uh, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that they're going to, to, to win a division or be in the postseason. But I think you could see three teams from the West get in. Yeah, that would be, that'd be incredible. If the Astros are going to win the division and get to the postseason, make a deep run, what do you think has to happen for Houston for that to occur? I think the biggest thing is the starting pitching. If the starting pitching can stay healthy and produce, 
then there's no reason for this team to, to be able to make a deep run. I mean, who knows, depending on how things go, maybe they'll add a starting pitcher at the deadline early in the season, which could certainly help matters. Uh, but I think it all comes down to the starting pitching for the Astros. What are your thoughts on Carlos Correa? You, you look, I mean, he is so talented. And he really had an excellent year last year, although I think the expectations for him coming into the season last year were really out of control. Where, where is he? How good can he be? Well, when you talk about expectations for Correa, no one has higher expectations than Carlos Correa does for himself. Mm -hmm. And he felt like his year was subpar last year, even though, I mean, 96 RBIs, 20 (laughs) home runs. He and A-Rod are the only two uh, shortstops with two 20 homer seasons before they age 21 season or younger. So, I mean, he has a chance to be even better. I mean, the, the sky's the limit for him. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's really good defensively, can hit for average, can hit for power, is a run producer. Uh, He's a guy who could contend for an MVP award on a yearly basis, uh, and that's not out of the question. And he's still pretty young, still in his early 20s. And, I mean, it's really exciting to think about what sort of player he can become before all is said and done. Another young player that the Astros are going to rely on, Alex Bregman. So, as far as I understand, he's going to bat second in the lineup. How much are they going to rely on Bregman this year after just – 200 of bats or so last year? And I think they're going to rely on him quite a bit. Uh, he was really good, especially once he moved into the two spot in the order last year after getting off to a slow start when he was called up from AAA. Uh, he's been very good defensively at third base, I think better than anybody had expected going into last year, considering he had played shortstop at LSU. Uh, but I think they're, they're counting on Bregman a lot. But I think one good thing about this Astros position player group this year is even if Bregman struggles, there are other guys who can pick up the slack and there's some depth so it's not like one of those things where if Bregman doesn't play the way a lot of folks think he's capable, this team is in trouble. I think even if Bregman struggles, they'll still be in pretty good shape, which I think is a good position to be in. Well, Robert, thanks so much for the time. We always appreciate it. We're going to be seeing you a lot, especially early in these first two weeks. But uh, it's great to get a thumbnail for you on the Astros and what should be a very fun race this year. All right. Take care, Gary. What was your favorite personal personal favorite play-by-play moment and why you know i'm probably uh, my favorite moment was the reintroduction of major league baseball here in seattle in april of 1977 because after the one year they left and uh, they came back and i was new the team was brand new i'd never been a number one announcer the kingdom was full of people 63,000 or whatever diego segui was a starter Ironically, he pitched for the Pilots in 69 and got to start in 77, and the place was electric. Uh, and I, I remember that well. Of course, the other one is uh, Edgar Martinez double in 1995 uh, that sent the Mariners on to play for the American League Championship. Probably two of my favorite moments. And then, if you want to go back to the Angels, you know the, the Ryan the Ryan games and no-hitters, et cetera, but uh, in Seattle, certainly there. My favorite player to cover... I don't think there's any doubt it's got to be Ken Griffey Jr. because I saw him as a 17-year-old kid. He came up as a 19-year-old kid and, and you know, just electrified everybody. Uh, could run like a deer, play defense, crashed into walls, hit home runs, uh, just played with complete abandon. And uh, you could see the joy of playing the game in his eyes. And to this day, and here he is going to be 40 in November. Uh, he still loves to play the game of baseball. Not as good as he used to be, but 
Neither am I. <laughs> My favorite team, well, since I was uh, obviously uh, um, brought up in the Angel organization, they're my second favorite team, but I've been the number one announcer with the Mariners now for 33 years, going on 34 next year. And even though we've struggled, I am their last original employee, which means one thing, I'm getting quite aged. You know, I've seen too many bases on balls, but I'll continue to broadcast as long as they let me. If you see one base on balls, it's already too many. Uh, my emotions when I got the call from Cooperstown. It was my birthday. It was my birthday, 2008. And I, my, my wife bowls on Tuesday. I'll never forget as long as I live. I just gotten out of the shower and hadn't even toweled off yet. And, and the phone rang. I, I, I didn't realize that was the day they were going to name the Frick Award winner. And I picked up the phone. And they told me, uh, and they said, we'd like to welcome you, you know, to the Baseball Hall of Fame family. You're the 2008 winner of the Ford C. Frick Award. I, and first of all, I didn't believe them. Uh, I, I said, you know, this is my birthday. They said, it is? I said, yeah. I said, well, it's the greatest birthday present you will ever, ever receive. And boy, was it ever. It was unbelievable. Matter of fact, I still haven't come down. I don't think you will ever come down from that moment as long as you live. Uh, with the exception of the, your marriage and your children being born, greatest moment in my career. My athletic career as a youth, well, my athletic career as a youth was so-so. I was a fair pitcher in high school, played a little bit of basketball. I was not a star in any of it, but I loved it all. So I didn't have much of an athletic career. I, I was not really gung-ho. It was before the days of Little League, and when we played, we all got together in a backyard lot or something like that, a sand lot, and played, me and my cousins. So, you know, I just love to play the game. Was Harry Carey the most influential announcer in your career? Probably, because Carey uh, was the first man I listened to. He was doing the Cardinal games on KMOX in St. Louis, and as a kid, I used to be mesmerized by uh, the games over there at Old Sportsman's Park. I was a, a Brooklyn Dodger fan, though not a Cardinal fan, because Gil Hodges was from my hometown. And so every time Brooklyn came through there, it was even bigger. But I used to go down to a little place called the Palace Pool Room around the town square in Gibson County, Gibson County Courthouse right there in southern Indiana, and watch the scores come by through the ticker. And the man, I'll never forget his name, was D.A. Keimer. He used to put uh, his uh, chalkboard, his chalk, rather, his stick of chalk in water. And then he would reach up on the board and very neatly print in the scores as they came across. And then, of course, as the chalk died, it just came alive, seemed to stand out. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. It was a great, great experience to just watch the scores come in. But Kerry certainly was, a, uh, was an influence on me because... He's the only guy I heard, quite frankly. Uh, is he influential on my career? Probably not. I think, tell everybody that, you know, the, the most important thing is to be yourself. I don't think you should try and copy anybody, emulate anybody. I think you're in trouble if you do. You have to develop your own personality. But he was influential in the fact that he was the only guy I, I used to listen to. There's a guy by the name of Dick Shively, uh, WGBF in Evansville, Indiana, who was a... Uh, Influential in my career, too. He used to do the Evansville Braves of the old 3I League. Uh, and uh, so I used to listen to him, too. What do you recall from your very first play-by-play -play assignment? Well, 
what I call my first play, I don't remember my first play-by-play assignment. I guess it was in college. Uh, Indiana was playing Ohio State, and I do remember that it was a, bas- a baseball game, rather. And I, I went out, and Frank Howard, who happened to be, uh, end up being a coach of ours, a good friend of mine, was the first baseman for the Ohio State Buckeyes at that particular time. Uh, how would you like to be remembered? I'd like to be remembered as a guy who loved the game, a guy who could tell stories, a guy who people could uh, see the game through my eyes. And one of the biggest awards I've ever received, notwithstanding the Hall of Fame award, was from the Washington State Blind Association, where these people honored me by saying they could see the game through my eyes. And I think if you can do that, you have really done your job. I, I'm very, very proud of that award. I hope to be remembered as somebody who was entertaining, somebody that was hard to turn off, even in a 10-to-1 loss or something like that, because you never knew what was going to come next. I just hope to be remembered as a good guy, basically. Was my funniest moment on, or two on the air? Gosh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess calling a home run at old Cleveland Stadium, swung on and belted, and there it goes, fly away, and it was 35, 40 feet foul down the right field line. That that will grab your attention in a hurry. I thought that was quite funny. Quite funny. I'm sure the folks that are listening didn't think it was very funny when I had to go back and explain how I screwed that one up. But uh, there have been, you know, too many funny things. To, I, I just can't think of them off the tip tip of my tongue, on top of my head. But uh, there's some things for you.